Everybody that you meet, you can learn something from them. That it's not necessarily what you achieve in life that matters most, but it's who you become in the process of those achievements that really matters. We all need people who believe in us. They expand the boundaries we place on our own lives. What makes me most proud is how I played the game. Being real, authentic, and spontaneous, and loving the game, to me, is what it was all about. When you retire, you may get a chance to go to football heaven. This is football heaven. Hello and welcome to The Mission. I'm your host, Jameer Howerton. And guys, I am so honored to have with me 2019 Gold Jacket Kevin Mawai on the line. And guys, let me tell you something. Let me bring Kevin into this conversation because Kevin, thank you for joining us, man. I'm glad to be with you, man. And uh, I know uh, circumstances have dictated we gotta do it like this, but uh, it's, it's always a pleasure to see your face, man. Thank you, sir. Absolutely. You know, this is the new norm. And, and what we've always tried to do with the Mission Podcast is engage our fans and bring them closer to their favorite gold jackets. And like you said, unfortunately, this is the way it's going to be. But we're going to have a lot of fun with this. Kevin, I have so many topics to just to flush out with you, talk to you, and, and, and just to pick your brain and get your perspective. But first and foremost, how are you and your family doing, you know, during this time? We're all doing well. Let's see, you know, things have slowed down a little bit. My daughter, Abigail, is uh, back home. She came home for spring break, and, um, <laughs> and the University of Hawaii shut down, as did everybody else, so she's going to be here a little bit longer than she expected. Uh, my son's still down in Florida working and um, just trying to make the best out of the opportunity of the, you know what's going on down there. But we're, we're trying to practice social distancing as much as possible. Uh, you know, fortunately for us, the weather's always nice in Arizona this time of the year, so we can get outside and, and, and get outside in the backyard or go walk around the block. But, um, you know, to be honest with you, it's kind of refreshing that things are slowed down a little bit. Well, I see you still look great. I know you're a workout buff, so it, you, I don't have to worry <laughs> about my big brother Kevin sitting there snacking on peanut butter and jelly sandwiches throughout this time. Well, I, mean, I am snacking on every junk food you can imagine. I don't work out as much, but I do get my walk in every morning and uh, try to just stay active. And But uh, I tell you what, man, when you get confined and you're sitting at home all day, it's hard not to sit there and just eat everything you got in the cabinet. So uh, Tracy does a good job of making sure we're not full of junk food, but, but somewhat reasonably healthy. Speaking of Tracy, <laughs> how is Miss Mawai doing? Mrs. She's Moore. doing great. She, everybody's doing well. And uh, yeah, it's been good. And, you know, working coaches hours, especially during in the spring ball time, you know, um, tend not to see each other as much. But now that everything's been put down to a hold, uh, we get to spend a lot more time with one another. Well, with great. that being Thank said, you. you're an offensive coach for ASU, for Arizona State University, the Sun Devils. Talk about your business practices now that, you know, we're in this, you know, state of crisis. Yeah, it was kind of crazy before all this thing happened. We we had started spring ball already, so we're two weeks in. Went to spring uh, spring spring break with our kids, and then when we came back is when everything started shutting down. The university shut down classes and went full time online last week. Uh, so as a staff, we're still meeting uh, you know, four days a week, uh, trying to take care of get a jump start on on summer training and training camp. We're putting together training camp schedules, cleaning up playbooks. You know, things like that you could do um, without kids being around. So but then a daily part of that is checking on all your guys, making sure they're okay, where they're at, trying to track down all your players. But 
um, you know, we're just doing the, you know, whatever you can do. Um, but at some point in time, we just got to be smart about, you know, being not being in the conference room, this entire staff is spreading out around the office. So we're not like closing that social distance gap that, that we've been, you know, recommended to stay in. Absolutely, because you look at, you know, one of the first, you know, NFL cases, if you will, with head coach Sean Payton of the uh, New Orleans Saints, you know, it, it, it's kind of like in our world of the NFL, like, you know, when it hits, it hits and it's shocking to the yeah. spirit. Um, not surprising. Uh, New Orleans is coming off the of Mardi Gras where there's millions of people in the city and Coach Payton happened to be one of those guys. But, um, you know, when it does hit one of your own, as far as an NFL family member, it kind of people's eyes start to open up a little bit more. Like, oh, wow, Coach you know, Payton got it. Now now I have more chance of getting it. And the likelihood is that you got just as great a chance of getting it to anybody else, whether you play the NFL or not. But it does make you take heed a little bit more. Absolutely. You say you're checking in on your players. Kevin, how important is it for these guys to still keep up on their workout regimen? And how tough and difficult is it for <laughs> your job to make sure your kids are staying, you know, and physically, you know, fit? Well, I think the great thing is, is when you have great coaches, they can give the kids opportunities or, or a workout books or whatever. So you know, we're seeing now gyms are closing down, high schools are shut down. So kids that went back to their hometowns aren't going to be able to go to their high schools to work out. So they got to get innovative in how they do it. And whether it's carrying buckets of gravel around or body weight stuff, I think the most important thing, especially for athletes, is just be active, find something to do. Um, push-ups, sit-ups, whatever, air squats, you know, things like that. But, you know, I think the greater important part is to see how they're doing personally, you know, their well-being with their family and stuff like that. I think that, especially in collegiate athletics, when you're coached to, to young people, 18 to 22-year-olds, you want to know how they're doing, like, personally beyond the football field. And I think if all you ask them about is their workouts and how they're doing in their workouts and stuff, then – um, you're missing the, the human element to it. Absolutely, absolutely. And with that being said, you know, the NFL draft is coming up. And as we know, it's going to be canceled um, to the public. But the show still must go on. Um, um, and unfortunately, kids won't be able to experience that, you know, whole pageantry, if you will, of going yeah. you know, to the NFL uh, draft and in their nice garbs or whatever. But who are some of the kids or who is that one player that's coming out of ASU? Yeah, I think Brandon Ayuk uh, has uh, not even slowly, but quickly risen up the ranks and, and first round draft the potential guys. He was a wide receiver for us. And I think he had a great combine and, you know, he had a good year. And so he's the one guy here at ASU that has a potential of being, you know, first round draft pick. You know, Benjamin was a running back. Um, he led the, he was third in the nation in Russian two years ago and was second in the conference last year. Um, everybody's saying he's probably a, a third rounder, so you know he'll have an opportunity. But to actually be at the draft is an exciting thing, and, and not to have that this year, it's uh, sad for those guys. But yeah. hey, you know, it goes back to 15 years ago when they didn't have the draft, where players were there. <laughs> You're back to uh, like it was when I was there. You just get the phone call. That's and, right. Uh, you know what? I think at the end of the day, if you get drafted on the first day, nobody cares anyways. You got drafted, and it's one of the few things in the NFL that business can go on not quite as usual I think uh, the draft is the second largest uh, like largest uh, event that the NFL has to the Super Bowl 
And so they're going to lose that side of it. But at the end of the day, business is going to go on as much as possible. Uh, right. You know, like you said, this is the new norm for doing interviews and stuff. Absolutely. And, and the NFL is going to find ways to do new norms to keep their businesses alive uh, through this, you know, through this time in our country. Well, with that being said as well, the NFL, um, the collective bargaining agreement and NFL news, free agency frenzy. But I want to, before we talk about, you know, the big acquisition of Tom Brady, let's talk about the CBA agreement. Um, you know, how important was that to get solidified for your brothers, alumni football play, alumni football players to, to finally get that, that CBA agreement solidified and worked out. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy for the, the active players that they're actually going to have football. And, and I saw the boats and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, and, and people are going to make a deal that it wasn't a unanimous situation. But anytime that you have something so important as a collective bargaining agreement where Many guys are going to benefit. Some guys might not get as much benefit to it. There's always going to be disagreement. Um, it was seen in the executive committee vote uh, when it was seven to four. So they went ahead through the constitution of the NFLPA, allowed it to go to the vote of the players, and and I think that's when you really see what it's like. And it was only, it was a it was a close split, but something I learned when I served in NFLPA, and and something that Gene Upshaw always said is that you know the minority voice is always going to be heard, but at the end of the day, majority is always going to rule and. And whether that's a majority of one or a majority of 900, it doesn't matter. Um, but you know, it, it just signifies the importance of guys understanding the business of the game and not just football and X's and O's. And the guys that are young players now that might not like the situation, they'll get more involved. And that's a good thing. I think, uh, you know, they, they got some gains for former players, myself included. And, and there's going to be a lot of former players who are happy about the pension increases and and things like that and then there's always going to be a few that are going to be disappointed about what happened and um but you can't please all the people all the time and um you know unfortunately it is a collectively bargained deal by the active players and anytime an active player can give back to a former player that that signifies their respect to the guys that built the game um but at the end of the day um they got the deal done and it's important for the players that are currently playing that they'll have football to play um it gives the nfl opportunities to create new you know tv contracts and to find new ways to generate revenue and um you know five years from now when they're in the middle of this nobody's going to talk about the 2020 cba they're going to talk about what's going on at that moment in time absolutely and uh you're no stranger to free agency you came to the Cle excuse me to the new york jets when yeah, I I'm not, definitely did not come to cleveland browns not the cleveland browns <laughs> <laughs> And you that was not York, gonna happen. <laughs> you came to the you came to the New York Jets as a huge free agent, you know, free agent, and you see now with Tom Brady, like how how crazy is that? Twenty years in that in that uniform, and now to see him, you know, move on to a different team. Yeah, I think it's gonna be a little bit more difficult for him than it was for me. I played in Seattle for four years, and and I knew my time was gonna be up, and, right. and it was, and it turned out great for me. And I didn't want to leave New York. Um, it was not my choice to leave New York, but I ended up in Tennessee. I went through the process again. But for a guy that spent his entire career at one, at one team, and now he might get one, maybe two years in this next deal, that's got to be a little bit harder. And, um, you know, I'm saying good for him. I'm happy for I, I always tell guys, play, in, play in the, as long as you possibly can. And my goal is to play until the wheels fell off or somebody took them off. And, uh, and that was my case. But for him, he's, you know, he's confident what he can do. And I think – the older you get, especially at 
positions like the quarterback, the center spot, or whatever, you start playing with more uh, experience and wisdom and not necessarily like physical talent. But he's going to bring to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers a, a level of expectation and leadership that maybe they haven't had. Um, but, you know, what's definitely for sure is their guys want to go play with Tom Brady. And, you know, I'm reading news where players are contacting uh, B.A. And, and the staff down there, the Glazers, that they want to come play in Tampa, even if it's for one year so they can play with a guy who's got uh, six Super Bowl rings. Um, but uh, it's going to be kind of weird seeing him in a different uniform. Yeah. But I remember being a young player, and I played with Warren Moon after he spent so many years with the Minnesota Vikings, and I played with him one year in Seattle, and then he went on and played another year in, in Kansas City. And, um, like, you know, we, we were both part of the Jets organization, and Joe Namath left the Jets to go play – for the Rams or somebody for one year or something like that. And nobody even remembers that, you know. Right. So, but hopefully right. for Tom, it'll be memorable years for him down in Tampa and for people with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Yeah, the one we remembered seeing Joe Montana go to the Kansas City Chiefs. And that was that yep. was a tough pill to swallow, you know, for it, 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 Yeah, it was it was tough for, for the 49ers fans and stuff like that. It was great for me because he was in my division. I got his autograph my rookie year. So it was pretty good. <laughs> How do you see, just from the onset, you know, just from your football mind, how do you see Tom Brady, you know, fitting in this offense? Oh, I, I think it's going to be great. B.A., you know, he's he's a guy and uh, that wants to um, hit big and hit fast, and, and so he likes to throw the ball around. And I think Tom, you know, it doesn't matter where Tom's at, he's going to fit in well. And I, I think that it's just a matter of his transition into a new uniform, into a new yacht locker room. But uh, Tom's been around a long time. He's got great talent. He's a smart football player. It's not going to be a problem for him or for VA. Well, as you know, Kevin, this is the centennial class of the 2020 Pro Football Hall of Fame, and we got 20 members coming in. And really, you know, what this allowed to do was go back and honor some of those senior players and contributors and coaches that may have gotten looked over. And uh, one of those guys is an offensive lineman from uh, the New York Jets, Winston Hill, the gentle giant, as he was known. And you got a chance to meet with him. And how great is it to see, you know, this historic class come to come to shape? Yeah, I'm happy for his family. Um, when I was a free agent going to New York and I got to Weeby Bank Hall for the first time, they had the Hall of the, the, the Pro Bowl and All-Pro wall. Scott Pilda, who was the last offensive lineman that made the, the Pro Bowl, and they didn't know. And it was indeed Winston Hill who was the last Jet offensive lineman that made the Pro Bowl. I said, well, I'll be the next one. And who didn't you know, didn't know, like maybe 15, 20 years later, I would actually meet Winston Hill and get to spend time with him. Just a great man, uh, great heart, and, you know, just a really easygoing uh, person to speak, spend time with and talk to and things like that. So, um, you know, his loss was, was you know, sad to the Jets community and, and to the NFL in general. But for him to be recognized, you know, posthumously um, as a Hall of Famer, I'm thrilled to death for him. And, and it's great for the New York Jets. It really is. You know, Kevin, I, I mean, I know you're still around the game, you know, from the collegiate perspective. But just as a fan, as a fan, you know, this this past couple of weeks have been really hard, you know, it's just, just to watch sports in general. And I'm not trying to compare the two, but you were part of the Players Association when 9-11 when came, when 9-11 hit. And I know you were instrumental and in kind of like rallying the troops, getting the players back on the field and going through that. But 
if you could just speak to what sports means, not just the NFL, but just sports in general, to the to the soul, the heart and soul of, of, of our country and not having it. Yeah, I think, well, the difference between the 9-11 and now is, is uh, the players had a larger voice um, during the 9-11 year of not playing. Um, the New York Jets, and a lot of people don't know this, but uh, Herm Edwards had us on the field. We were in practice. It was lethargic. It was, day, it was the day after. And um, we ended up not practicing the rest of that day. And uh, on Thursday, following the tax, we had a decision to make as a team whether we were going to travel to Oakland or not to play the Raiders. And we voted as a team to forfeit that game, no matter what happened, should the commissioner make us play the game. And, you know, I was on a conference call as a player rep the NFLPA and and Mike uh, Strahan was on that call as a, a representative for the New York Giants, and we both told the entire body of uh, player leaders that we weren't going to play regardless of what happened. And it, it was that decision to forego playing the game that led the NFL, the entire NFL player population, to say that we're going to stand behind the New York teams and we don't we're not going to play this week. And so the next day, uh, Commissioner Tagliabue canceled that week of games and it was a smart thing to do you know sports brings a lot of people together and it's it's one of the things that people in our country I think sometimes take for granted but at the end of the day there's a human element in this country and in this world that's more important than playing a, a game whether it be a, you know football baseball basketball auto racing there are things more important than, than watching sports. And, and at that time, it was more important for us to stop, reflect, grieve, and mourn for what was happening for our country. This incident here is not a whole lot, unlike not playing that week. Though the biggest difference is we don't know how long we're not going to play. Um, you know, Major League Baseball has been postponed. NBA has been postponed. All spring sports and NCAA have been canceled. Um, so you know, it's, it's sad for the seniors who didn't get to finish up their championships, swimming, diving, field hockey, lacrosse, you know, baseball, softball. Um, so basketball tournament didn't take place. And those seniors will never get that back. And so that's something that, you know, for those guys and those young men and women that, that were going to compete at the collegiate level and for championships, they'll never be able to get it back. And but it goes back to what I said, that there are more important things than, than sports. And um, there'll be a time when this country gets back on track and, and where people will heal and the economy will heal. And then there'll be time to, to get back into the stadiums and cheer on the teams and stuff like that. But for now, the most important thing is, is for people to be smart about what's going on during this pandemic and, and uh, stay healthy and, and you know, be there for their neighbors and their community. And, you know, when it's time to play sports again, we'll go play. And the greatest thing about football is it doesn't happen until next fall. So if all the sports, they're going to come back online pretty quick, you know, before and, and in a situation where this has kind of died down, football probably has a greater chance of all of them. And with that being said, Kevin, you know, football will have a chance to come back and restore the energy and the spirit of our country. It will, whether you're a Chiefs fan or Jets fan or Cowboys or whatever, or you can be a USC fan, LSU fan, or an ASU fan. Uh, you know, when when sports gets back on track, we will be, particularly if it happens in the fall, football will be the one sport that brings everybody back in and say, yes, America is back to where we used to be. And football is being played. And, 
It's, it's one of the greatest sports in the world. I said it in my induction speech. It's the one sport that teaches you all the lessons about life while doing it with a bunch of other people that help you get to where you want to go. And uh, don't care what you think politically, religiously, you know, ethnic, ethnically or whatever, you walk into an NFL stadium or any sports venue for that matter, and people of all different backgrounds, colors, religions, beliefs, or whatever, rally together for their team. And, and that's what's unique about sports. And I don't think there's anything else in this country or this world that will draw people back together than rooting for a common enemy or a common team or rooting against a common foe. And um, so we'll see how it goes. And, you know, but hopefully uh, this thing will, won't last too much longer and, uh, and everything will get back to normal as quickly as possible. Well, Kevin, I want to thank you for your time. I really want to thank everybody for tuning in. Kevin Mawai, guys. Man, I thank you so much for giving us the time. I know you're going to stay prayed up, and I know you're going to stay healthy. Stay safe, sir. Take care of your family, and thanks for joining us right here on The Mission. It's a pleasure. Thanks for having me, Jameer. And uh, to all the people out there that are watching this, be smart about what you're doing. Uh, understand that you have a, a role to play in stopping this pandemic. Part of it is staying at home and staying away from big crowds, large crowds. And uh, make sure you check in on the elderly, um, your family and your neighbors, and make sure uh, we help one another in this time of crisis. Thank you, Thank Kevin. You. Take care.